And Rafa is fine, right? Yeah, Rafa is fine. Okay. Uh, do you mind if I record this conversation and share it online? Yeah, yeah. Okay All right, cool. Uh, so we'll start in three, two, one. Hey, Rafa, how you doing? Good, man. How's it going? Not bad, man. A little tired, but but I'm good. You know, the weekend's almost here, so get to have a little bit of time off. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think we all need it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, my... um. My son has had a like cold symptoms, like he has a runny nose and stuff like that. So he's been a little bit miserable, but you know, hopefully yeah. he's coming around the end there. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as you're not miserable, we're good, right? That's what. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As long as I'm happy, then everybody's happy. <laughs> That's good. Man. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I'm glad that that you're joining that you're joining me to have this conversation. Um, uh, it was cool to see that, you know, you responded to that uh, YouTube um, clip that I put up. And I'm I'm very interested in having that real estate conversation, too, and kind of see how you got into it and uh, what your portfolio looks like and what your plans are. But um, even before we get into all of that, can we get to know Rafa a little bit? Do you mind telling me, like, what your childhood was like growing up? Were you always in California or...? Yeah, pretty much the majority of it uh, was in California. Um, <clears throat> so both my parents are from Mexico, and they came here, I believe, in the 70s. And, um, you know, we didn't grow up poor. Um, my dad was just a very frugal person. So I'm talking about frugal, like, to the point where, like, every penny counts, you know? So since we weren't poor, but we, we definitely grew up where it was a struggle, where everything was, like, you know, secondhand um you know we never really got what we wanted you know it was like if you wanted to i remember i was when i was like i think i was six and i wanted a chrome bike and um you know obviously everything was secondhand you know there's nothing like but i really i remember back then it was like a the gt or the dyno back in the day yeah and all the kids and i never had it but you know I, i had the one that was just beat up and stuff like that but well in that it was good though you know i think it builds up character builds up a drive and it definitely um, makes you want more, you know? So how did that, um, how did that affect you? Um, I've always myself have been like a saver. I've always saved money and uh, my parents at at some point they would give us a quote unquote allowance, but the allowance was like a couple of bucks a week or something like that. Very minimal. So I would save all this, you know, as much as I could. And then I would, you know, purchase whatever um i could find but i remember that my parents are kind of similar in that way they uh they they didn't uh splurge on like restaurants all the time and things like that we had a lot of like home-cooked meals and every once in a while we'd like go out somewhere you know and it wasn't right. even like a restaurant we'd do like a like a chinese buffet or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Same thing with us. yeah yeah definitely the same um so so growing up, you mentioned that your dad was frugal. Was your mom, were they both on the same page? Or Yeah, you know, um, my mom's a little more of a spender, but um, my, my, my dad definitely, um, you know, tried to stretch every dollar. So she definitely got on, uh, uh, they were both on the same page, you know. You could just see that my mom would like to, you know, have a, you know, better life. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they were definitely both on the same page, you know. So it was... Um, like I said, it was a good thing, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, I was also 
naturally a saver too. So I remember my like primera comunión or fucking my birthday. Um, I would save all that money, and if they give me a twenty, I would ask my dad for like ones because I want to stack some money, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I would put it all my like just stacks. And I remember uh, I forgot which movie I watched, and um, I remember I wanted to get like a briefcase, and I was one of my goals when I was like. I don't know, I was probably like seven years old, was to fill up that briefcase with a bunch of ones. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But I never got to it. You know, I actually had like a stack of like ones, like just one little corner and then, you know, forgot about it. But <laughs> that was pretty much it. You know, you could you could fulfill your childhood dream right now. You could probably go to the bank. change a You know, I thought about that. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I should probably do it now, you know, and just have it on the side. <laughs> Now, were you, are you an only child or are there, there are more of you? No, so um, there's a total of five, including myself. So I got an older brother and um, his name is Cesar. And then uh, my other brother is Hernani, then a sister, myself and my youngest brother, Noel. And he's um, 32, 32. So, right. so yeah. you're like in the middle? Yeah, like I'm the stepchild kind of, you know. Yeah. But it worked. <laughs> wow, five kids, man. That's a uh, It's that's... a struggle, man. I don't know how they do it. You know, I have two and uh, I'm just like, man, it's just um but it was different times though, you know. They have mentalities yeah. from back in the days where, you know, they just pop kids just to pop them, you know. Yeah. Now if you <clears throat> you know, it's a lot of energy to raise a kid. Yeah. You plan to have more, or you're just going to stick with the two. You know, I'm, I really want to I have two boys and I really want a girl, but um uh, I'm pretty much done, I think. Yeah. <laughs> now, nah, man, go go for at least one more. Go for one more. See, my wife I and I, um, I'm one of three, and uh, she's it's just her and her sister. But my parents, my dad is one of, uh, I think, I want to say nine. And okay, my yeah. mom is, like, one of seven. So growing up, like, I just had a ton of cousins all around, and we'd always, like, play outside and, and right, right. Uh, you know, uh, get together. So my wife yeah. and I have always wanted like a bigger family. We we wanted four. We have one, <laughs> by the way. Oh, and, uh, we, <laughs> we we we've settled on three. So we'll see how the how the third one goes, and uh, we'll see if we'll we'll do any more. But wait, but you have one, right? Yeah, just one right now. We're, uh, All right. When you have hopefully... the second one, you're probably gonna settle for two. <laughs> oh, you think so? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's cool. Um, that's interesting, man. That's, I, I think you're the first one that I've ever heard that. Like as a kid, you were you were taking uh, piles of cash and just having them in one. I said, so. So what I did with with my cash is that, ah, man, I, I forget what those things are called, but it's like that ceiling that you can move. They it's like, it's like um, they're like panels, so you can move okay. like. So anyways, oh, you can move I, those panels. Okay, okay. Yeah, the panel ones that are kind of like like card. It's not cardboard, but it's like. But it's it's common over there on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, we have those panels, but uh, it's um, they usually use them for mobile homes. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, you see them in offices a lot too. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But uh, here it's just all you know plywood and I mean drywall. Yeah, I, I would take my cash. Right, I would have like a little bag or something, and then I would hide it like on top somewhere so like nobody would find it and i was like where i kept my stash <laughs> yeah 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 i think that's when you're like naturally born a a, a saber or entrepreneur i think because you're always thinking ahead i think 
because yeah. um, I have um, my brother, the youngest one, you know, he's um, he grew up the same as us, you know, and but he's naturally not a saver, naturally not a, an investor like my uh, my brother Hernani invests, my sister invests, um, I invest. So um, I think either you're born with it or you're, you're eventually you're taught. But, mm. you know, luckily we were um, it came naturally to us, you know. So you said that your dad is a saver. Was he also, did he get to investing? Is that where you got the investing from? Or was it more something that maybe you learned from your older brother as he started doing his thing? No. So my dad actually did it when he was younger too. So he, um, so he came here in the seventies and he started working at a restaurant in LA and uh, he slowly started investing in real estate and um he made he probably invested maybe for like 10 years and he finally had like not even 10 years um because he got here on maybe like six seven years anyway so he ended up coming here he saved some money bought a few properties over in la and then it was enough for him to retire mm. but retire in mexico so he had my two oldest brothers we moved to mexico he sold the property and he ended up starting building um, uh, track homes over in Mexico. Okay. And he ended up building those track homes in Mexico. And then my sister was born over there in Guadalajara. And when you say track homes, is that like uh, trailers? No, so over there they're made out of brick. And he just started building um, like little one-bedrooms or two-bedroom houses. Okay, because you were I'm saying sorry. Track, so, Okay, track so what he, has, what he has reference over there in, uh, in the East Coast? Like... Uh, track homes we use say we track say track homes for like brand new homes oh i see no i hadn't heard that before okay, okay so so he built them from from bottom up yeah yeah exactly okay so he built that he started getting a little cash flow and like i said it was just enough for mexico you know um and um from there my long story short my brother ended up having um epilepsy and a few other problems my oldest brother so you know, we were going back and forth with the doctors and stuff like that. And, you know, the doctors recommended, hey, you know, if he's American, you guys should go back and, you know, get the proper treatment. So that's how we came back here to the U.S. And that's how I was born over here. Or else I would have been more born in Mexico and lived out there. Mm, I see. So your dad came here in the 70s, then right. got enough invested where he could retire back in Mexico. And then because of what happened with your brother, then you guys end up being back here. Right, right. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So but you we were born, but you were born here. So you, yeah, you yeah. I got my papers, life. everything. Okay. Not sure. <laughs> I'm not questioning that. It's more. Uh, I I didn't know if like you had lived a, a part of your life here and then a part there. You know that sort of thing. No, no. But you know, I grew up. Um, my dad would always uh, take us to Mexico twice a year, so I feel like I got a little bit of both. You know, both cultures mm. very well. So I feel like I'm. 60% Mexican, 40% American, you know, because I grew up out here skating, biking, you know, doing all that stuff as a kid, but I'll go out there very often over there. We'll spend like maybe three months out of the year out in Mexico, so. Oh, yeah, I remember those. We, uh, growing up, we'd go for like a month, like during whatever, uh, school break to DR. Right, and, right. Uh, come back, but we didn't do it that often, maybe every couple of years or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, we just had the luxury that my dad actually worked out there and worked 
here. So it was kind of a, a necessity. You know, we, we had to go visit the family, and then he had to take care of whatever he needed to take care of over there, too. Oh, he had a he had a business back in Mexico. Well, he still had those uh those uh those properties in Mexico. He never right. sold them. He was just uh, he would build here and there, you know. And then his business was pretty much driven by um, if the U.S. is doing good, then he was doing good because he will build these houses and then he will sell it to Mexican Americans that um, had equity in their homes that would refinance, get cash out, and then they would buy their house in Mexico mm. or their land on Mexico. So that's the kind of transaction he was doing. Oh, gotcha. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So he kind of had his little market that he kind of catered his his houses to. Yeah, yeah. It was a small little pueblo, but like I said, it was just enough for him to um, just to make ends meet, you know? Yeah. So um, how do you end up, like, what do you, I think you mentioned now that uh, you're uh, what was it that that you mentioned that you, that you were doing? You you have your real estate that's like a, a side, a side thing, right? Where you're investing, but you also have your regular um, job as well, right? Right, right. So right now I'm a I'm a blackjack dealer over here in uh, Southern California, and I've been doing that for since I was 21, so I'm 34, 13 years and counting. So um, pretty much how I got involved with that was just I was I was working at a warehouse. Well, first of all, I graduated from high school. I took the college route maybe for about, man, probably less than a year. And it just wasn't for me. You know, it was always a struggle for me to study. If I was interested in the topic, I'm just like, it's a struggle, you know? Mm. So I did that for a few months. I got out. I uh, played at a warehouse. I was working there for two, maybe like two years. And then, but it, there was always something that was just kind of like, um, like I said, you know, I think you're born with like either you're an entrepreneur, you're a saver and all that stuff. Sorry. So I would just uh, sleep at night and always like I would just stay up at night just thinking about it. Like, damn, like, what do I need to do to get out of this job? Or like, why did I have to work on an hourly basis? You know, and I was just thinking about like hotels, apartments, um, all that stuff, you know, um, and wondering how you get those loans. And um Long story short, um, my brother ends up being a blackjack dealer, which is my second, uh, her nanny, the second oldest. And he told me he's making decent money. And I was like, all right, well, let me just uh, go to school for this. And then that way I can start saving some money. And I knew that I needed to establish my credit and I had to be a decent job to start buying real estate. And this is like in 2007, right? So I just focused on doing that and increasing my income and then i knew that it slowly i was just going to start um investing in real estate so it was more i was very open-minded you know i could have been a plumber electrician it could have been anything you know the whole mm. point was that i was just looking for a better income and so i can save and invest that was always my mindset you know how did your parents react to you uh wanting to get out of school did they care or Cause no know, you know like <laughs> no, my parents for example they're very they're they're very like you know uh, college you got to go to college got to get your degree and i feel like a lot of hispanics are like that parents that are like uh not necessarily first generation but like have migrated here right right yeah you know it's fine because my, my parents just um like i said they weren't really involved they were kind of just um pretty much you're on your own you know <laughs> that's how <it> felt like <laughs> so if i dropped out of college it was like all right well whatever just 
got to make it work, you know? So. Well, like, as long as you can pay your bills, I guess. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so um, I ended up doing that. But, yeah, they didn't really care. Now that you mention it. Yeah. They didn't give them a call. <laughs> for the um for that blackjack you you have to go you have to um go to school for that or is it like a certification that you need to get or yeah so you just go to school it's pretty much just um you know i i didn't have a clue what blackjack was or anything i mean i knew what the game was i just knew i don't have a clue what blackjack is <laughs> i mean i think i really like 21 right yeah, yeah, yeah right i think i played like so, once or twice but it's about it okay yeah, I don't have a, an idea. You know, I just knew that um, it was making decent money. You go into school, and it's more of just learning the games, and then it's more of me- mechanics, knowing how you know how to pay out, how to um, deal the cards, stuff like that. You know, it, it takes like three months, but um, mm-hmm. I knew that it was going to be a decent income. So over here in so- Southern California, like an average blackjack dealer will make anywhere from forty to maybe like one hundred and twenty a year. That's a big spread. Yeah, it is a big spread. So it varies by location. Okay. So since you work for tips, um, you know, if you, you work for the right casino, you you um, you get people that, you know, will make decent amount of money. So, you know, they, they tip more, obviously. And then if you work in a casino where, you know, the medium income is really low, you're pretty much struggling, you know. Does, does experience come into play at all when it comes to, like, is it mainly tips or, like, if you're getting a job – they see that you've been in the in the game for like five six years, and they'll give you like. Do you get a base as well? Or no, no, no. So it's everything minimum wage, and it's really just depending on the casino oh, you want to work for. So okay. it's just minimum wage, and if you work for a casino that is desirable, then they start asking for experience. But in reality, it's all really who you know, you know. And um, as long as you get like your first year in, and if you got the right people, I mean, you can go from making forty to one hundred twenty mm-hmm. the next year, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's how I, I pretty much started. I knew that um, I started from the bottom, too. So I started working in, um, in Coachella and um, making about 40000 a year. And then I slowly moved out here to um, the San Bernardino County and um, started to make a little more. But I'm already in that stage where um, – you know, I, I invested in real estate and I've already exhausted my, what they can lend me, you know, it's getting more and more of a struggle. So I need to go commercial or, um, <clears throat> you know, I need to start maybe a business or something where my revenue, my income starts uh, increasing. Mm. So can I you, continue to invest. Can you walk us through like what, what that means that you've reached your limit and, and how that kind of played out? Right. So, I have um, this lender that I worked for for many years, and pretty much my debt-to-income ratio is like 49% once you start getting all the loans and everything included. And um, anytime I want to get a loan, it's like 25% down. And I remember this last loan that I had was uh, I bought a fourplex in San Bernardino, and I had had a credit card for like 1500 bucks. And in order for me to close this loan, I needed to pay off that credit card. So <laughs> as of right now, that's how it feels. Uh, I'm going to start venturing off, finding other lenders. But, um, you know, when it gets to that point, I mean, <laughs> I definitely need to increase my income. Do, um, 
do they take into account the income coming in from your properties or no? Yeah, they do. So the, it varies by lender. That's what I'm noticing right now. So I'm calling and um, I found other lenders that um, my debt to income was, wasn't as high. Um, but I'm still struggling as far as, um, you know, the, the previous lender that I have, he was very, he was on point, you know, he would see anything that was along the way, like any bumps along the way. And he would let me know ahead of time, fix this, fix that, fix that. And I'm with another lender right now and I'm, we're already like two months in and then he's seeing the bumps and I'm just like, ah. like, you know, like, yeah, I sh this should have been mentioned. But then again, he looked like he seemed like we were able to close it, but you know, we're still in the process. We'll see if we can still close it, but um, I'm just doing a bunch of refinances right now. And, <clears throat> you know, um, are you taking money out as well or just blowing your, uh... yeah, no, I'm right now just taking out money. I definitely want to sit on it. So, I have a condo that's paid off over and um, I wanted to take some money out and then just sit on it. I was going to do a 1031 on it, mm -hmm. but I figured I was like, you know what? The, the Everything's so sky high. I was like, let me just take some money out, sit on it and um, find that right property, you know, and then um, invest in it. You know what I heard? I heard in a podcast, they, I think they called it a, a reverse 1031 where, it's almost like you identify the property that you're going to buy first, get that under contract contingent on you selling the property that you're planning on selling. Yeah. Yeah. Then you go ahead and you sell that off. And then, cause that's, that's the trick, right? When you do a 1031, you get like 45 days, I think, or something like that. Right. To be able to find the property that you're going to buy next. And if you don't, then, you know, you're going to be liable for those taxes. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's definitely what I've done before in the past. I've done a few 1031s. But um, sometimes what that is that I found is that sometimes when you find a deal, the, the agents want to take easy transaction. You know, why would they prolong a transaction that, you know, it's going to take maybe three months when they know they're going to sell this property regardless and they can do this transaction within a month? Mm. Okay, so they look at you as somebody that's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit more work. Right. You know, I don't know if you, I should probably say this, but uh, I, I give them bait sometimes. So I tell them sometimes just to get the deal. I don't know if maybe you should try this too, is I tell them like, hey, man, I'm really interested in the property that you have. Um, but here's a deal. It's, it's going to be continued to me selling the property. But you're going to be representing me in the property that you have listed. And you be my listing agent on the 1031. So you're going to handle the whole transaction. Mm. You're going to get your full commission over here. Your full, I mean, whatever commission you're going to get over here um, with my property. And it's a double dip. Are you interested? And um, usually they work with me. No, that's a, that's a good strategy. I like that. To be honest, I haven't uh, sold... Uh, any properties or done any 1031s. Um, what's that process like? Do you mind sharing kind of like when it comes to the paperwork and things like that? Is it very difficult to get all that done or no? No, you know, uh, I use the First American and they're very, I, I, if you use anybody, just use somebody that's been in the business for a while, you know, they're very on point, you know, never had any issues or contacting you every step of the way. Um, I guess the best, the worst part about the whole thing is kind of like 
closing the deal, you know? <clears throat> so it's like, it's like multiple steps to it, you know? It, it's, it's so easy just to be able to, hey, I want that property, and then I got the money in the bank and the whole transaction. But when you're like someone buying the other property and then they drop out and then just prolonging everything, you know, it's just, that's the stressful part, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for uh, for us, the property that we just uh, purchased not too long ago, um, it was um, direct seller to buyer. So it was um, a private deal. And that was the first time that um, we had ever done something like that. And I'll tell you, I think that um, it's a little bit more scary at the beginning before you kind of actually go through the process. Because after we went through it, like it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, you get a good lawyer that can draft up the paperwork um, right. you're pretty much sad at that, at that point. Um, but I was like over, my wife and I were just kind of like overthinking, well, what does this mean? You know, the realtor typically does a bunch of stuff and, but it really right. wasn't that, that complicated. Yeah. You know, it's going to be always nervous the first time around. So you're yeah. just, um, overthinking everything, but in reality, the transactions, um, it's, it's already written, you know, it's self-explanatory, you know, but it's, it's definitely nerve wracking, you know, it's kind of like buying your your first house you know it's uh it, it's it's nerve wracking you know yeah it's um it's definitely interesting when you buy your first property for sure um we had been looking for something for about a year and some change before we found you know where where we're at now but um before then there was a point where we had put in an offer the lady had accepted the offer and it was contingent on her uh, finding another property and moving on. But even after the property got accepted, like it almost like hit me like, Oh man, like we're about to move forward with this property. And I'm like getting nervous a little bit. I'm calling up people and like, yo, like, this is what I did. What do you think? Like trying to like reassure myself about it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but after I mean, she ended up um, backing out cause she couldn't find anything um in her price range so we lost that deal but the second time around once we found this one it was like all right let's go the numbers work so it's kind of it's almost like as you build that experience it just becomes uh a little bit easier to pull that trigger you know yeah 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 especially if the numbers work if, if the numbers work you already know you want the deal it's just a matter of just figuring out how to close it you know yeah so why real estate for you um why why is that the vehicle that you've chosen to to invest in or, uh, <clears throat> You know, um, when I was 19, I, um, I, uh, read a book on stocks and I read a book on real estate. And I, like I said, from the beginning, I knew that I wanted to invest. Right. So I read those two books and, um, real estate just stuck. It just stuck. It, I like the passive income. I like the, is the it fact passive? That can, excuse me? Is it passive? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> it, it, it has its moments, you know, but, uh, but overall, you know, it's, it's pretty passive, you know, um, I like it. Like I said, I like, I like it cause it's, uh, relatively passive and you can leverage, you know, I, I to me, the main thing is leverage the tax, tax, uh, incentives, all that stuff. Um, but leverage is the huge part, you know, um, just the fact that you can buy a hundred thousand dollar house with five grand. And if it goes up 20%, I mean, you got 300% return, you know? Right. On that. You know, yeah. um, a lot of people get scared 
by real estate because they don't want to be that person. And you always hear that one um, line, you know, getting up at three o'clock in the morning to have to go fix a toilet. I mean, I've owned property for almost three years now. I've never had to do that. But uh, I don't know. What, why do you think that is? That people are just so afraid to, to get into like real estate and they'd rather look at like stock market or something else like that? You know, I think a lot of people are afraid of real estate is because the people that get advice on real estate are people that are not in real estate. So if they're getting like, you know, us Hispanos, you know, a lot of them maybe are not in real estate. So they're telling you like, oh, no, being a landlord sucks and this and that. But in reality, you're getting advice from someone that's never been a landlord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're going to have a negative uh, um negative thought of, of of real estate, you know, but in reality, if you speak to anybody that's invent, been in, investing for real estate for 10 plus years or whatever it might be, or five years, whatever it is, and they want to grow their portfolio, it's going to be positive And they're going to tell you it's, it's worth it every step of the way. I mean, it's a, it's definitely work, right? You got to put in some work. You got to meet the tenants. You got to make sure that your rent stuff is on point, that things are getting fixed you know, stuff like right. that. But to me, it's always like, like people that I've shared, like, you know, that I own real estate and what I'm doing at work, et cetera. Like they always like, Oh, you got to do all this work. And I'm like, I mean, you're doing a bunch of work right now for somebody else, for somebody else's <laughs> business. Like you really think that I'm going to be afraid to work on my business and like my investments. Like I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like it doesn't add up. Yeah. But it, go, it goes back to what we were saying, though. It's just a different mindset. You know, you can't convince somebody, like, hey, dude, you should invest your money when they, they, they want that luxury car in the front, you know, in the, in the driveway, or they want that big house when in reality they should have bought a duplex first, mm-hmm. you know. It's, um, it's a completely different mindset, you know, because some people, some of my coworkers uh, approach me and ask me, you know, what do they need to do to buy real estate? And they don't realize that it takes a lot of sacrifice, you know. It takes a lot of years of saving money and then buying one property and then saving another two years to buy another one. And it's a slow process, but real estate is not get rich quick. You know, it takes time. It takes patience. And then you buy one, two, three, four. And before you know it, the first one already has equity. You do a cash out refinance and you buy your fifth one. And then two years down the road, maybe two of them already have equity. You do two cash out refinances and now you buy four, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's, it takes time and a lot of people don't have the patience for it. It, it really just takes a lot of patience. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, I mean, saving up that first down payment is, it's the toughest. Yeah, for sure. Um, for the second time around, it gets easier. And I think uh, it just builds on that, on that, right. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. have a little bit more income coming in from the rentals that's helping you put that money away much much quicker right right exactly Um, as long as you have um that um that goal in mind you just gotta have that big goal in front of you that way you keep saving that way it's something that it's not attainable within two years you know so it's constantly you working towards it in my opinion yeah no for sure um you mentioned that you have kids and you're married right 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 so uh, were you and your wife on the, on the same page about real estate? Because I'll tell you, at least for me, it's not that we weren't on the same page, but my wife had never really considered 
real estate and I'm like talking to her and the, even as we're dating, like, listen, like my plan is to save up X amount of money. We're going to buy this three family or four family and I'm going to et cetera and continue. And like she was freaked out at first and like, Oh, like, cause the thing is, is that that mentality for most Hispanics is not there of like owning real estate or owning stuff that's generating money for you. So all that stuff scared her at the beginning. I mean, we're right, right. on the same page, but I'm curious to see like how your experience was there. Cause I, I know you mentioned that you at 19, right. That's pretty early in life. You were like, I want to invest. Was she similar in that way or no? No, she wasn't uh, similar in that way, but um, she uh, always supported me regardless, you know, whether we're in the same page or not. She, um, she understood that um, I was working, we were working towards a goal. So, um, but with her, it was a, a mentality of being scared. It was more of, um, it was just being supportive, you know, or like, all right, I trust you, you know, cause I, I, um, that's all I talk about sometimes, you know, so she knew <laughs> that I was uh, passionate about it, you know, so yeah. she knew that, uh, um, that um, it wasn't going to leave my head until I did it, you know, yeah. so but uh, we're definitely the same page now, and it's it's working out. How old were you when you made when you bought got your first property? So you said you had to save for a while, and you had to get you know you got your uh, dealers, right? Um, it, it probably took me. You know, it was a slow transaction. So I was 24 years old when I bought the, my first property, and uh, prior to that, I was uh, I was a silver guy. Like I would buy silver, silver and gold. Mm, okay precious metals. oh so, yeah i would buy precious metals because i thought the whole economy was going to collapse <laughs> and um the more in depth i got into it the more um i went back to just thinking you know what um i need a i need to sell all my silver and um buy uh, some real estate so i can leverage this uh this money and that's what i did yeah so you know, Warren Buffett, I don't know if you've seen, there's a clip of him out there where it's like, they basically present to him like the whole gold um, idea and investing in gold. And yeah. he kind of says like, you know, if, if I have, let's say, um, uh, $2 million worth worth of gold, sure, it's fine. You know, I can I can look at it. Maybe I can sit on it. And he's just kind of like, that's, that's what you're going to be able to do with it. I'd rather have $2 million worth of businesses where let's say maybe I have like a farm or something and now I'm generating produce and I'm engaging with people and his 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 whole thing was like you know you get gold you'll have the gold it'll just be sitting there versus if you have a business then now you're you're uh you're participating in in uh the economy right and you're able to right. make connections etc like that so yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think that, it's that was pretty interesting no, he's completely right. And that's one of the reasons that I, I sold it. <laughs> I was just like, man, I can't get out of this damn thing. Um, but yeah, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me now. I mean, now it's more of, to me, it's more of a, uh, if you want to, to me, it's a rich man's game. The reason I say that is because the fact that, you know, we're, I'm assuming we're trying to increase our income. We're trying to, get some properties and i think once you get to the point where you have excess cash you want to just diversify everything you know but when you're building the building stage i my building stage is going to be you know real estate 
some businesses. And then once I have that excess cash, you know what, let me just throw some money in silver. So maybe my kids will inherit it, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, I'm building, you know, like, like I was telling you earlier, I'm first generation Mexican American. And usually about 80% of all millionaires are born within the first generation. So I I feel like I have this uh, huge responsibility for my kids to have a better life. You know, maybe they don't take the investing route, but, Maybe they become lawyers. Maybe they become uh, doctors or whatever it might be. But I set the foundation where, you know, college is now no longer. Um, oh, can we afford it? You know, yeah, you can, and you better get yourself, you know, a, a good degree. You know, and so just set the foundation. You know, for my future seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like your kids to be more? Um have a more entrepreneurial mindset like you did and invest and getting things like that? Or would you like to see them more go to school and kind of pick a profession and, and go that route? Um, <clears throat> my ideal will be for them to just to be uh, professionals and growing the portfolio. I, I think um, that'd be better for me. Well, whatever they decide, but I, I think that for me, that's better. Cause I think education uh, just, um, it's always good. You can't go wrong with education, you know? And, you know, my youngest son, not youngest, but oldest son, uh, seven, he's seven years old right now. And, um, whenever we need to do a remodel, I take him with me. I just do the basics, you know, take out the carpet tile, um, you know, just do the basics, take out the doors and I take him with me. And I tell him, hey, you know, this is uh, your property, Ralphie. You know, his name is uh, same as me. And I call him Ralphie, and I was like, this is your property. You got to make sure you take care of it. So, you know, on on the fourplex that I have, we talk. He helped me with three out of the four, and I tell him, you know, he helped me remodel it. And I tell him, like, you know, every single month someone's gonna move in here. I mean, someone's gonna move in here, and they're gonna pay you. So each month on the first, I give him four bucks. So I was like, each unit equals $1. I was like, so remember that he's into Funko Pop toys right now? So I always tell him like, hey, well, a Funko Pop toy is 12 bucks. So that means you need to wait, you know, three more months, save it so you can buy that toy. So just give him stuff like that um, just to get started and get an idea. And he already has (laughs) that mentality already. I think it's already engraved in his head. So like the other day he was scratching like, you know, the scratches, those Mm -hmm. little scratches. Yeah. And I hey, so what are you going to do with the money? And he's like, I'm going to invest it, Dad. I'm like, all right, good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you do your own work for your property? No, I just do the basic. You know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad with, like, like, handy stuff, man. I wasn't born with that gene. Like, I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like. I'm like really bad. I wish I was. I was because I mean I'll, I'll save myself a lot of money. Well, so I, I honestly I just uh, do that just because I have my son and I want to take him with me. And like I said, it's more of a the demo. That's what I do. I like to just take out the, the the stuff that needs to be taken out, and then from there I just get the contractor and tell him what I want, and that's it. Yeah, man, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not handy at all, man. Like. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Like, you tell me to take out a door, I'll have to YouTube it and try to figure it out. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No instincts whatsoever on, on any of that stuff. Yeah, um, man. There's some people... My youngest brother is actually very handy. You know? 
and but he doesn't invest so it's like it's one of those things <laughs> you're missing out um, <laughs> yeah but it, it's almost good though I, I would think that you know you're you're that way in the sense that you know maybe you're not very handy because then that pushes you to get make sure that you have a good deal so you can pay for that stuff i mean i don't know about you but for me like i never plan to do my own work i make sure that the deal that I get has enough meat on the bone that I can get somebody in there that can do a, a good job instead of like me, like inventando, you know, like, yeah, 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 you know, getting them in there, getting it done as quickly as possible and then moving on. I don't know. I feel like yeah, sometimes people, people let, let that hold them back. You know, I, I was talking to a gentleman once a few years ago and, you know, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm like, you, I'm always talking about real estate cause I just, it's so fascinating. And I think that, so many people could benefit from from that knowledge and actually investing. You know, there's a, there's so right. many possibilities here in, in the states for you to be able to get into something that that will, man, like benefit you in the long run uh, so much. But I'm talking to him, right? And he's like, yeah, you know, if I were able to buy something, I'm gonna take an electrician class, I'm gonna take a plumbing class, and then I'm gonna make sure that I know all this stuff, so then I don't have to hire out anybody to do my work and in my head i'm just like geez man congratulations you got yourself you just got yourself another job i mean do you <laughs> yeah, yeah. That an investment at that point i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i think yeah, it's yeah. kind of good to know so you don't yeah get but, yeah like you said it's that way you don't get screwed yeah but at the end of the day i mean you need to make that um that decision are you going to be an investor or are you going to be the 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 landlord or the hand, you know, and I knew early on I wasn't handing and I knew that I wanted to be <laughs> an investor for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm the guy that just thinks a way how to figure that thing out, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, um, yeah, I just wish I was born with that gene a little bit better just cause sometimes it'd be something real simple, but it's just like, uh, you know, I just know that uh, if I go there and it's going to say, you know, take me two hours and ends up taking me four hours. And I'm like, Oh shit, I have to come back tomorrow, you know, or something you know? Right. <laughs> to get it done. Yeah. yeah, yeah maybe yeah. paying somebody and they'll get it done in like 30 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And then the, the hardest part is finding someone that you trust. And then, um, that does the work right. You know, you just tell them once and that's it. You know, I, I struggled that for years finding somebody, you know, I'll find someone that was cheap, but he was so unreliable, but he would do the work right. But you know, just unreliable and then just finding that that medium where it's not overpriced but you know you can trust them yeah man I, I found a guy uh right now that i'm using for most of my stuff this guy's amazing like you know he he's reasonably priced he does a good job and uh shoot man any any work that i get i send him his way you know you, you gotta when you find good handymen and contractors man you gotta treat them right Actually, yeah, no, you know. yeah, let's know you appreciate them because um, they're making your life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, and this guy, man, I mean, uh, I think there was one that I called him at like, uh, one of my tenants called me at like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock saying that uh, the lights uh, went out because he had plugged in like a heater or something. Okay. And uh, the breaker. The breaker went off. But the thing is, is that it wasn't where where it was expected. The breaker for for uh, I think it was like the room and the living room or something like that. So I ended up having to 
have that, uh, have my handyman go over there, track it down, figure it out, and then doing all that. You know, he, he charged me a few bucks, but if it wasn't for him, I would have had to leave my house at nine o'clock to go try to figure that out, you know? And he's like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. don't worry about it. I'm like, great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the one thing about, like you said, uh, there's two things you can leverage is someone else's time and um, and real estate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the reason I like it. My youngest brother always tells me, like, hey, well, why don't you fix it? And I'm just like, because I really spend time with my family. You know, if I had like maybe I was doing this full time or something, um, maybe I'll probably check it out. You know, I got some time to spare. But as long as I'm working and I got a family, I mean, if I could just send it off, I'm going to send it off. Yeah, no, for sure. So how, what was your first deal? What was it? Was it a duplex, triplex? Yeah, so my first deal was actually a duplex. So, um, you know, one thing that I tell everybody that wants to invest in real estate, I always tell them that your your first house is always going to be a starter home. So why don't you just make it a duplex, triplex, fourplex? It still goes into the um, – it's not commercial, you know? And I was like, get yourself a, a fourplex. You live there for free. Uh, pretend like you're making that mortgage like you were on your own and collect the rent. Um, and before you know it, within like a year or two, you should be able to buy another one, you know? And then you move out of that one and um, – buy the other one at five or 10%, you know, it depends on where we are in the market, you know, and um, leverage it, you know, but, um, but yeah, my first deal, just going back to what you're saying is was a duplex and um, I bought it for 82,000 in California. This is when everything tanked. Mm, like, yeah. This is, um, yeah, it was just, and it took me six months to find a deal too. Cause I was competing with other investors and these investors were buying them in cash. Oh yeah. And I got lucky where this one, I, I bid on it and it didn't go through. Someone else bought or made a cash offer on it. And then they backed out and then they, I was the runner up and I, and I ended up getting it. And I always mention this duplex too. Cause I always say that this duplex made me 400,000 or 500,000. I forgot the exact number on it. Cause and this is how I always tell everybody it's like make sure that if you're gonna invest, make sure your first one's always a home run, or make sure you know it's just the the right time. Cause so I bought it for eighty two, and my mortgage on it at the time was like six hundred bucks, like ridiculous cheap, and each one rented for uh, at the time like seven fifty a pop. So I was making let's say seven hundred dollars cash flow or five hundred whatever it might be. I was making five hundred dollars in cash flow, and then I appreciated it. I took out fifty thousand on it. I refinanced it, took out fifty thousand, and then ended up buying a a duplex that was distressed duplex for two hundred thousand. And those were under market rents and everything. I remodeled and everything, and then sold it for three twenty. Oh, you sold that? Yeah, I, I sold that one from the same 50,000 that I did from the refinance. And then I bought that duplex made like 120 on it. Right. And then I used that equity to buy a fourplex that was also distressed that had a hundred in equity. So, mm -hmm. so that simple investment that I made from the beginning has made me rental income and equity to the point where I've cashed that refinanced it. I bought that duplex bought a fourplex and now that fourplex has 220 in equity and 
generating anywhere from like uh, like two thousand dollars a month once I get it uh, stabilized. Right. So uh, it's like a no brainer. Like, how can yeah. you compete with uh, real estate? You know, like. So, and that's uh, a, that's the newest one, the fourplex. <clears throat> yeah, that's the newest one right now. Yeah. Well, actually, I bought a uh, I bought a mobile home in a fifty five community, but um, I don't really count that one just because that one's just um, I just bought it just because the numbers made sense, but um, it was pre COVID. Oh, I see. Yeah. Man, from a, yeah, um, from a duplex to another to the fourplex. And I, I still own the duplex, though, you know? Yeah. So still generating income, and then I'm going to do another cash out refinance on it and then buy something else, you know? So it, it definitely, uh, like, uh, like I was telling you, anybody out there that's trying to invest, it, it, it just takes time. And, um, you know, nowadays with everything being on the internet, there's no excuses, to be honest. Um, if you really want it, I mean, there's, there's, um, <clears throat> you can get it, man. And especially here in the U.S., you know, um, we were just talking earlier, you know, you're from the Dominican, I'm from Mexico. And, um, we didn't get those opportunities there, you know, and I feel like, um, it's our obligation, man. We really have to like really, really, uh, set the foundation for our kids, and for us, too, because, I mean, if you really look at it, I mean, back in, in the U.S. in the 70s, it took, like, a, some working at Walgreens to be able to buy a house, you know, and be able to raise a family. I mean, they were struggling, but they'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And now you see multi-generations living in one, ha- one house just to make ends meet. And that's the direction that we're headed. I mean, it's, it's already ridden, you know. In the 80s, it took maybe in the 90s, that's when two people, you know, Two how two two incomes needed just to make ends meet, and um, now we're getting to the point where it's the mom, dad, and the son or daughter that still live there. You know, um, just trying to make ends meet, and it's very important that I think we're one of the last generations that we'd be able to actually make an impact for the newer generation. Because for my son, if I don't, if my son doesn't inherit anything, it, it'll be no different from at least in Mexico. You know, let's say they make twenty bucks a day, but a house costs a hundred thousand. I mean, it's only it's a rich man's game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're headed. You know, uh, the cost of construction here is ridiculous. We just printed like five trillion bucks. I mean, it's just um, it's going to be tough, man. So uh, you know, to me, it's very important for my, my kids to inherit. Yeah, I think that that's a that's an interesting point that that you make because. I myself have like a chip on my shoulder um, because I understand um, the gift that I have for being able to, to live here. You know, my, my parents migrated here. I was like nine years old um, when we got here. And uh, I've, I've had opportunities that, you know, cousins of mine that live in DR will never have. Yeah, you right. Know, people that you know, I don't know how it is in Mexico, but in DR is very tough to even land a job, and most people live on two hundred dollars a month. That's like the right, minimum right. wage over there, you know. Um, and I just see it as I was given this opportunity. Am I really gonna waste it? Where they, where other people would kill to be able to be in in the situation that I that I'm in, you know? 
and then the, killed, but there were you were people are dying on a daily yeah. basis just just to be over here exactly yeah and uh the cool thing about real estate that you can't really do with stock is that you can generate jobs for other people you know right. what i mean like my like my handyman like I'm paying him for this job. Like I'm, that's a job that I generated with the investments that I've made, you know, and as you continue to grow, these are, this, these investments will let you be able to bring opportunities to, to other people, even family, if you want to bring them in. Right. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's I, think about real estate. Yeah. I think you in know. general all around, like, I think that the possibilities with real estate are, are endless. If you, uh, take the time to really uh, study it, you know, really yeah. become a, a student. Yeah, most definitely. You know, anybody that's uh, definitely thinking of uh, investing in real estate in their, their first deal. I mean, I always say that it's always a good time to buy regardless. Cause I mean, even if you say the market's high, real estate is a long-term investment 10 years from now, guess what? You know, people that lost their houses in 2008, they waited 10 years. Guess what? They're even, or they have equity now, you know? Mm -hmm. So no matter what, you need a place to live. And if things get hard, rent a room. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, to me, it's just an over right now, especially now with the interest rates being like at 3%. I mean, that's just free money, man. Anybody that doesn't get that needs to realize that it's free money. It's just literally free money. You know what's crazy? I, I We refinanced at the beginning of the year. Right. And we're just about to finish refinancing that same property again to bring down the oh. interest because it went down so much. We went from like yeah, a yeah. five to a four to now to like a 2.9 something. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... <laughs> but crazy. each refi is saving me like 200, 300 bucks. Like, why wouldn't I do it? Yeah, exactly. You know, lock in that rate for 30 years. I mean, we're guaranteed more inflation in the future. I guarantee exactly. I think that... Um, what we printed in 2020 is equivalent to like <laughs> the first 200 years in the U.S., you know? So like, <laughs> it's ridiculous, dude. It's just I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with that, by the way. What do you think? Oh, is we're going to get inflation. It's just going to be, I think we're going to, the markets right now, it's going to be like back in 2001 when the dot-com and 9-11 happened. I think we're going to get a small little dip, but we're still... Uh, low on inventory, interest rates are low. I heard Biden's gonna do a, a fifteen thousand uh, dollar tax credit for first time home buyers, and all that thing is just f fuel on the fire. And I think we're gonna hit like a a small little dip, and then we're just gonna blow up. I think when the next, I don't know. I think we're gonna hit the peak when by twenty twenty five or something, twenty twenty five, twenty six. I don't know, somewhere on there. So are, are you saying that you're going to wait on the sidelines for those four years for the time to be right to buy again? Oh, no, no. I'm going <laughs> to be buying this year, hopefully, if I get my refis, and I'm going to sit on them, you know? <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I just think that um, uh, real estate is just a, a great vehicle for anybody. Even if you could just buy your house and an extra one, I mean, 20 years from now, I mean – it takes 50% of your income just to be able to own, you know, um, leveraging other people's time, you know? So like, you just imagine you're, you're retired and you have one house that's paid off. I mean, that's huge, huge. Mm -hmm. So 
start young and do it right. Yeah, I mean, if, if you really like, if you're, thinking, if you're thinking about retirement, right, you buy right. a property now that generates, let's say, once is it, what's, once it's completely paid off, let's say 50 to 60,000, right? Right. You buy that. Dude, just sit on it for, for 30 years and that's part of your retirement right there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Exactly. You buy one or two more, that's like, well, 150 something that's coming in. You can you can live off that if you want. Oh yeah, yeah, easily. And like the, you know, the way things are going, I mean, easily live off of that. Because, you know, we're slowly becoming rental nations, a rental nation here in the in the U.S. So, um, and if fifty percent of your income is going to housing, I mean, you you um, you essentially, like I said, leverage someone else. Yeah, man, I think that um. With this whole college stuff too, like the loans that are coming out, it's getting tougher and tougher for a lot of people to be able to afford um, a home to buy, uh, especially kids like coming out of school. But I think that people also tend to be dumb. Like they get into a bunch of stupid debt, like they get cars, they get the credit card and they got all this stuff. It's like, if you really just, if you live below your means for like a good three, four years, I mean... It sounds like a lot, but if, if you know how to manage yourself, you could do it. And you'd be setting yourself up for a good amount of cash later on down the road. Mm. And you can, you can little by little increase, you know, your, you know, what, what you spend, your burn rate, if you will. Right, right. I think the problem with um, the new generation is the fact that I think social media kind of destroyed all that because everybody, you know, um, they they only show their their the BMW in the driveway, the nice big house and everything like that, and they only show the good. And yeah, you know yeah. who's gonna flex on my thirty five hundred dollar car? You know that's sitting on my <laughs> right. No one's gonna say that, right? So yeah. like, look at Raph. You know he has a thirty five hundred dollar car. You know, but I mean people think these luxuries are is wealth, but it's just liabilities. You know, and sure, you know maybe one day I'll buy a Mercedes or a BMW. But uh, I know that it's not going to be off my wages. It's going to be made off of real estate, you know? It's going to be passable. But yeah, it's and a, I think, tough, and I think that at the end of the day, people, like, I don't, I don't think they put it together in their heads. Like, you know that people can take out loans for all these things. So yeah, like, just yeah, because yeah. they have a nice car doesn't mean that they really have money. <laughs> you know, it, 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 what happened was they, they put down uh, a small down payment on the car, and then they're paying, like, five, 700 bucks a month to own that car. Is that really where you want to be? I don't know. <laughs> exactly it doesn't make sense i have my cousin in, in mexico he's a dentist and uh he was telling me he's like hey man como como lo hacen allá en estados unidos como que todos tienen carros buenos <laughs> I, was, I was like man debes entender que acá todos están en deuda you know like like forget about it see alguien in mexico si tienen like a car a new car is you know they they earned it you know or you know whatever <laughs> whatever they do on the side but um, but here, I mean, an average Joe with minimum wage can get a car, you know, like a nice car. Yeah. We're a nation with low interest rates, you know, so it's anybody can get a nice car. That's do nothing they, to flip. Do they, um, are the lending, is the lending different in Mexico um, for like cars? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not too familiar on it, but I, as far as I know is um, you got to have a good job, good profession. And, um, it requires more of a down payment and all that. And awesome. um, so they're more strict, probably. Oh yeah, he's a dentist with his own practice, 
And um, he was thinking of buying a Volkswagen, and um, they were requiring a bunch of stuff. Oh, <coughs> they got a loan for it. Yeah, yeah, he was trying to get a loan on it. Yeah. But I, I know that um, that's for, you know, um, a lot more stuff than they ask here, you know. Over here, you don't yeah. need papers. You're like, oh, you got a pulse? Uh, I, got your lo- I got your car. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah. hey, hey, there was something that you mentioned offline that I'm trying to remember that it, that it was super impactful where, where you were talking about um, like if you bought a piece of real estate, if you really think about it and it appreciates, you're, you're in, I forget how many years you mentioned, you'd be a millionaire, you'd have a million bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So one thing that I always tell everybody is just that we, we live in a consumer nation and then our economy has to grow at two to three percent every year. They inflate everything. They inflate our dollar. So I always tell everybody that if you have a million dollars worth of debt, not including your equity, just think about the debt that you have. A million dollars, and properties go up three percent. And you manage that debt. You pay that debt. You're just making the payments because your tenants are paying that debt. You pay down your loans by two percent. So essentially a million dollars worth of debt or real estate, however you want to say it, you're saving 50 grand a year, 50 grand times 10. And that's just average. That's just assuming it goes up 3% and you're paying down your debt. So within 10 years, that's $500,000 just by you owning a million dollars worth of debt and managing it. I mean, I don't know uh, a 401k that uh, where you don't have to do anything, you know, I mean, essentially, you know, uh, as far as clocking in, you know, and gain 500,000 within 10 yeah, years. When, when you phrase it like that, man, I had never thought about it like that, but that's, that's very true. And it, and it really showcases the power of real estate, you know, and power leverage and real estate. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, um, so yeah, that's one of the reasons that I was just like, man, one of my goals is like maybe like $5 million worth of just real estate. And then, um, and like I said, with that alone, I mean, I'm saving $250,000 a year if I can just get that in, 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 in real estate. And that's not so, even like where you're getting cash flow either. Exactly. That's not even including the cash flow. <laughs> it's like that's an open the nature of our economy. Exactly. We're a consumer nation, man. So it's, it's a given. You know, I mean, a property in the 70s, I mean, depending on where you're at, um, it definitely works here in California because everybody wants to move here. But I mean, if you would have bought something in Detroit and, you know, it's probably worth less now, but obviously it, you got to have the basics, you know, jobs, the economy has to be moving, you know? Right. Hey, so, um, before, before we, we wrap up here, do you mind uh, sharing, uh, a horror, horror story of your experience in owning real estate? Do you have any, you know, um, the worst one was when I first became a landlord, man. So, you know, I'm, I'm naturally a nice guy, right? So, so this is what happened. So on the duplex that I had, I noticed that it was vacant and there was this van. <laughs> this is so stupid of me. So there was this van parked right in front of it, right? And uh, the neighbor complained about it. And then I was like, oh, you know, let me go check what's going on. Long story short, he was, the guy was homeless. 
and um, he needed a place to live. He showed me his pay stubs from Social Security, and I made him move in into two bedroom, one bath. That was no right way. I swear. I was like, you know what? Let me give this. Let me help this guy out. And this guy, like I said, I saw him with his daughter, and I was like, you know, let me just help him out. Well, this guy paid for two months, and after that, milked me for another three months. Oh, man. Yeah, man. And I was just like, man, this is the last time. <laughs> but, you know, I was a new landlord, and I was just thinking. So you said to yourself, you know, you I was just like. This is the last time I'm picking up a homeless and getting get him into my apartment. <laughs> pretty much, man. I, I Like, thinking back, and I was just like, damn, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, think that thought process where you're just like, oh, yeah, this guy's homeless. I'm sure he can pay the rent. <laughs> <laughs> But it goes back to, like, you know, my rent was, my, my mortgage was, like, 600 bucks. The other side was paying 750 I was, like, it wasn't even a thought process. It was just like, oh, you know, let me help him out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, that's okay. That was just dumb. Like, <laughs> so what did you end up having to do to get him out? Did he end up leaving? Or, oh, uh, no, no, I did the whole eviction process. Yes, evict. Yeah, and this guy was, uh, I was trying to serve him, and this guy um, pretty much, <laughs> dude, it got worse too. So I was trying to serve him, and he was dodging the serve. So because uh, when you serve him, they have like, uh, I, I don't know, like 14 days to respond. But if they you mail it out, they got 30 days to respond. So he was trying to buy an extra two weeks and I was trying to serve him and I just couldn't, you know. And somehow his uncle was living in the garage with his wife, right? And then I told him, like, hey, man, where's um, where's your nephew? I need to serve him. And he's like, you know, he's my nephew. I ain't going to tell you where he's at. And I was like, I'll give you an extra two weeks to live here if you tell me where he's at. And he's like, <laughs> all right, he's at 550, uh, so-and-so, so-and-so. I was like, all right, I got you. And then I <laughs> his his uncle like pretty much just threw him under the bus within like two seconds. I'll give you an extra two weeks. Got you. Like that's it. Dang, that's all it took. And then so, I, I served him. He he didn't show up, and it was it was that was it. How do how do they know that you actually served the person? How do they um, serve the person? No, no. How um, how, do, how does the court know that you actually served them? You know, versus just like leaving it at his door or something that's a good uh i'm not i'm not sure exactly the the process on that um never really thought about it um i mean i've seen it in the movies like there's guys that, right, get, right. Like, people that get hired to like serve people but i'm always wondering like if you would have just like left it at whatever the apartment and said you served them then how do they right right um you know i remember this is my first eviction but i um on the on the following ones usually they have someone serve it and it's like it's like a process like hey they served it they didn't respond they try again they didn't respond we're gonna mail it out so the first one was like i was trying to save some money so i was doing a lot of the footwork so uh, it, technically it was probably wrong what i was trying to do because I, i got my brother to do it and um you're right like how would they know whether it was served by you know so-and-so right so Um, yeah, it was, you know, because when you do an eviction, everything has to be on point or else it starts all over, you know, at least over here in California. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, was, it probably wasn't even a right eviction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you was, get that resolved. 
I haven't had to uh, evict anyone yet, um, but I definitely have some tenants that require a lot more time than others. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, some are very easygoing, and some are just like, man, it's just I don't know if it's the property or it's them. But um, hold on, let me get a charger real quick. You have a charger? Sorry, man, my phone's about to die. Um, um, so what was I saying? That, uh, we were talking about tenants and some are good, some are not. Oh yeah, yeah. So some are good, some are bad. And sometimes I wonder whether it's the, it's the property or it's them, you know, but you know, if they pay on time, I try to, I try to help them out uh, as much as I can, you know, um, but some of these tenants, man, they're, um, that's for an arm and a leg. Yeah. <laughs> How's it yeah. over there? What was that? How's it over there? It's, good. It's, it's similar. I think that you, um, you have to be careful. Um, I've definitely, my due diligence is pretty, uh, pretty intense. Like, you know, I meet with them. My wife will meet with them. I'll do my background check, everything like that. I mean, I gauge people. I'm pretty a good. I'm a pretty good judge of character. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So I've we've had pretty good luck with the people that we've gotten in in the um, into the uh, apartments thus far. I do have one tenant that was inherited that he's like the most. He's one of the ones that pays me the least in rent, and the one that demands the most. You know, is that tenant? Yeah. <laughs> Want to just increase the rent? Was he due for a lease or no? Now, I think they're 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 month to month right now. Um, oh, okay. And to be honest, it's almost almost like it took me like seven eight months to get him to pay on time, and he's been paying on time uh, yeah. ever since. Uh, so it's just kind of like, do I want to go through the hassle of like raising the rents and having to deal with having to deal with him on that? Because I mean, I could probably just get like maybe a hundred bucks more in in rent I from. See from his apartment, but it's just kind of like, it's not worth the hassle for us at this time. But cause uh, they've, they've, they've changed a lot. Um, him and his, him, him and his wife, it's been a lot of like retraining. Um, so it's, so it's not too bad now. It was definitely, uh, bad at the beginning. Um, I don't yeah. know. I think he, you know, there's, there's some people that you can speak with them, explain something. And it's like, you said nothing, you know? Yeah, we had this conversation like what's going on cool man well thanks for joining me i really appreciate you taking the time uh before we close do you have any words of wisdom uh just in general for anybody looking to get started in real estate or just overall you know maybe how they should even start thinking about investing yeah yeah well uh thanks for having me in the first first of all and um you know as far as investing i think the main thing that uh when it comes to investing, just be patient and learn your market. So whatever market you're in, learn it and know, know it inside and out before you invest. Um, another thing, too, if your market's too expensive, um, there's other ways to do it. You know, just I'm sure if your market's expensive, they're within a two-hour distance. There's something there and you can invest and it can still be passive. Just don't give up and just remember that it takes time, patience, and um, – save because in the beginning the first 10 years are going to be rough you know but slowly 
surely if you're consistent, um, it's, it's all going to work out. And the way things are going with the economy and everything, um, anybody with assets um, are going to come out ahead. Anybody that does just hold liabilities or just doesn't hold any hard assets are, are going to left behind. And we're in transition right now where um, I believe that, you know, if you're stuck to those old ways of not investing and just depending on the job, where where um, you're going to left behind, and um, it's it's vital nowadays to invest and be constantly learning. You know, main thing. Awesome, man. Well, those are uh, very good words of wisdom. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people have seen what you just talked about during this time. You know, in the past year, many right. people lost their jobs, and that was their only source of income. Um, exactly. So definitely. Uh, it's worthwhile considering investing in, in your future, for sure. Yeah, again, yeah. man, you know, thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. Oh, for sure, Manny. Let me know whenever you need me, and then uh, we'll go from there. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. All right, man. Thanks.